Hey, this is Chris Munns, and this is Ladbrokes, Road to the Cup. Single from behind, and they're racing in the Lexus Melbourne Cup. Explosive Jack. I won 42 Group 1 races. Amongst them, the Epsom, the Goodwood, the Stradbroke, Doncaster, and Metropolitan Handicaps. I won the Caulfield Cup. Desperado won the Caulfield Cup for game. The Cox Plate. Somerville, three quarters of a leap, the fields of Omar. Golden Slippers. Brown in front, and Trowell wins the slipper for Chrissy Munts. In the lead up to Australia's greatest race, I'm going to talk to some of my best mates who have all played a part in the race that stops a nation. There'll be some great stories and memories from some of Australia's best jockeys and trainers who have all played a part in the world famous race. And in this episode, I thought it best to start with my own story. My win in 1998 on the Brian Jenkins trade mare, Jezebel. Champagne from Jezebel, Champagne and Jezebel kicking back. Jezebel kicks on the inside, Jezebel beat Champagne and New Zealand Quinella. Persian punch third from Yorkshire, Torpens Melody. Tie the knot and then Sky so racing life started for me probably when I was about 14. Um, I was actually uh, still at high school, and I'd, I'd been a, growing up on a country farm. I had show jumpers and um, competed quite uh, quite regularly for show jumping events. And, and um, I suppose I had always uh, had known my uncles up here in Queensland who were trainers at Eagle Farm, and, and uh, was one school holidays. So I thought I'd come up and have a look and did a bit of work experience at Eagle Farm with um, a trainer called Eric Kerwin. And um, it was then that the, the bug sort of hit me and, and um, I, I really enjoyed it from there. I really didn't enjoy school, I've got to say. I hated school and was glad to leave. And, um, you know, I was just fortunate enough that I was able to um, roll straight into something that I loved and, and that was riding horses. We grew up on a country farm and all us uh, kids had horses and we learned to ride on the farm and, and mum, um, she used to take us to pony club regularly and she used to teach us herself. And, um, I suppose she was instrumental in teaching us to ride and um, it was just something that I, I did from day one. It was second nature, riding horses and basically I rolled into being an apprentice jockey and it was pretty easy, I've got to say. You know, I, I was sort of riding, I was very lucky back then. You didn't have the rig barrel that they've got to go through now, these apprentices, which is sad, but um, I was riding in races pretty quick smart once I'd done my trials and um, just got straight into it. Oh, my earliest moments of being a jockey, well, I can remember my first winner like it was yesterday. It was a horse called Voyager, uh, from another one from my boss. Um, he was a well-bred cult um, who was owned by a, a, a prominent music icon in Robbie G. And he raced in the Australian colours, green and gold. And uh, he was my first winner at Caloundra and he was actually my second winner as well. So, um, they were my first, my, he was my first winners up there. And um, like early days as an apprentice was, it was a lot different to what it is these days, you know, there wasn't, um, it was, a, I think it was a lot more fun then, you know, we could, we still, I was able to go out and enjoy my riding and it was, um, um, you know, there wasn't the stress and pressure as what there is in this day and age with, um, um, you know, I think there's a lot of pressure on jockeys these days to perform and, I mean, when you're first starting off, I was just doing it for the love of it. No, the money back then didn't play any part, it was, um, there certainly wasn't a lot of prize money around then, but, you know, it was it was good. I was at that age. I was still you were still able to earn a good money, good income, and um, um, you know from there I was able to buy my first house at a very young age. Uh, the riding in the nineties, to compared to when I retired, was a lot different. Um, you know, it was a, it was a. I suppose in the 90s, um, how can I explain it? You know, there was they were very tough riders back then. You know, like 
I was sort of, I was riding when Mick Dippman was just about to retire and Jimmy Cassidy and Shane Dye and Darren Beedman and there were some great riders and up here in Brisbane, of course, you had Shane Scriven and Kenny Russell, Neil Williams, Mick Pelling. You know, they were, they were very, very good riders and very tough riders and um, there was no quarter given. You had to sort of really ride competitively, otherwise you'd get spat out the back quick smart sort of thing. So, you know, riding definitely changed and particularly the... Um, the, the careless riding interference rule, which that, I think, was a, a good thing. You know, that stamped out a lot of unnecessary interference and, and I suppose, dangerous riding that could that can occur. Um, it was also the, um, the whip use, the use of the whip. You know, that was brought in. That was a significant change in racing. Um, they changed the whips. That was another significant. So there's been a lot of different changes um, in racing and race riding in that period of time. I mean, I remember winning the Metrop for Gay on a, on a horse called um, Hula Flight. And um, she was one of, I think, three runners she had in the race and was probably the outsider of them. And I managed to, to win the, the Metrop, beating nothing like a Dane and um, Saintly. So um, it was a, it was a, that was just one race that, that sticks out. And obviously all my four um, Grand, Slip, uh, Grand Slam wins, they're sort of rides that um, they stay pretty, pretty well stained in my mind. Grand Slam's always um, something that um, was in my mind when I'd won the first three. I've always, I sort of thought to myself, gee, I wonder could I ever win the Grand Slam? And, and um, there were times where I didn't think I would, but um, the Caulfield Cup was the last leg to, for me to have to knock off. And when I did that on Desperado, it was a great sense of relief and um, oh, it was a great thrill. I, I've got to say it was a great thrill to be able to say, well, I've won the, the four majors. Shocking jumped okay, so did Alcopop, Descarado, Mr. Medici, faint perfume. It's Descarado kicking Harris Tweed on the outside. Descarado, Harris Tweed, Descarado hanging on. Descarado won the Caulfield Cup for Gay. Harris Tweed second, a length away, maybe Monaco console. Shocking got out, but it was all over. He's flashed home late and then came Managa. The feeling between horse and ride, I mean, I, I was very fortunate because... Um, I just, I, I got along with most horses. There was never a horse I rode that I ever had a problem with. And um, I just always felt I had a good understanding with horses riding them. And I definitely talked to a horse in race, yeah. Another horse I used to ride was um, um, a mare for gay called Shower of Roses. And she was similar, had a high cruising speed and she would roll out in front in 2000 metre races at a fast tempo. And you know, you would just talk to them and you'd just, even track work, you know, you'd always talk to them and get them to relax. Just your voice tone, you know, they, they don't want to hear you being timid or frightened or, you know, they, they just want to hear you talk nicely, woo, 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 and, or, you know, just relaxing sort of tones and, and then they feel comfortable in themselves and, and they listen, the horses listen, and they listen through your hands as a jockey to you. That's, I used to, I tell all my apprentices, you talk to your horse through your hands, you know, and horses are very smart. They can pick things up through your hands when you, the way you hold the reins, if, if you're tense and nervous, um, they can pick that up straight away the minute you grab hold of the reins. Mid-race, I, I remember one Melbourne Cup, I rode a horse called Maybe Better and Corey Brown was on my outside and and um, we'd only just gone past the winning post the first time and my horse was a big, strong horse and he, he was at a point where he nearly had the better of me and he was about to take off and 
I was clipping heels of the horse in front of me and, and Brownie just kept saying, sit there, Muncie, sit there, Muncie. <laughs> like, and I'm thinking, it's easy for you. <laughs> and, you know, I, I look back on these sorts of things and, and um, that was part of, of racing, race riding, you know, and it's an, it's an art. And the good jockeys... The good jockeys in races, they know where they're going, what they're doing, and, and you're always you you can always guarantee your safe safety when you've got good riders around you. So the lead up to the 1998 Melbourne Cup probably started in the January. Um, I'd been invited over to ride in the Auckland Cup, and um, I was riding a horse called Aerosmith, and um, for I think it's for Peter Hurdle. New Zealand trainer over there and um, not long after I'd taken the ride on Aerosmith Brian Jenkinson offered me the ride on Jezebel and obviously I had to knock it back because I was riding already riding Aerosmith so we're over there I'm riding in the Auckland Cup and um, rode Aerosmith hits the front at the furlong pole I look all over a winner and then lo and behold here comes Jezebel down the outside and blows me out of the water. I run second to Jezebel in the Side Auckland rail. Cup. And it's Aerosmith shot to the lead for months, though, from Jezebel. He's got a decent break, Aerosmith. Here's Jezebel trying to pull it back. Last Celine couldn't win. Aerosmith on the inside. Jezebel's coming out at 2-1. to one. These two are going to fight the cup out with North Lady third. Jezebel on the outside holding. Jezebel has beaten Aerosmith. Third at the line, North Lady, then followed last So Celine. I went home and I was obviously disappointed I didn't win the race, but, you know, um, I was happy with the way the horse ran. Aerosmith and it wasn't long after that um, I was in Sydney and um, I'd been to the football one one Sunday afternoon and I'd get home and, and uh, I'd had a few beers and Kathy said oh Brian Jenkins has asked you to call him I said oh I said I'll call him tomorrow morning so I ring him on the Monday morning and it was then he asked he said oh you know would you like to ride Jezebel in the Melbourne Cup I said yeah I said I'd love to I said you know she was a good win in Auckland blah 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 anyway um I had a guy managing me at the time in Sydney called Craig Thompson. He was the founder of RaceNet and um, good guy. He was my manager and we had a lot of luck over the years and, and a lot of fun and I rang him straight away and I, my first words were to him, I said, I think I could win the Melbourne Cup. And then his response to me was, you're a f***ing idiot. And I said, well, mate, I said, Aerosmith's second favourite in the race at five or six to one, early, early markets for the Melbourne Cup. I said... I've just picked up the ride on Jezebel, and Jezebel beat him fair and square in the Auckland Cup. He said, it can't win. I said, I'm telling you. I said, I reckon it can. So anyway, she was, she was about 50 or 60 to 1 at this early stage of proceedings. I went down and had my first ride on a, I think it was in the Alumba Stakes or one of those types of races, wait, wait for age. She sort of got back. She was very hot and stirry, a bit above herself, and, and um, ran, you know, a competitive sixth or seventh, something like that. So that I went home, I think, oh, well, you know, wait for age. She's going to be better suited at the handicaps and, and um, you know, she's going to need a couple more runs anyway. And so I think I rode her again another two or three times and we get to Caulfield Cup Day, way we go in the Caulfield Cup. And it was the best feel that she'd given me the whole time I've been riding. And I thought, wow, I thought I actually thought I could win the Caulfield Cup on her. And um, I started to truck up from about the 800. She really started to pick the bit up and, and travel into the race strongly and, a guy called Ray Cochran was on a horse called Torfin's Melody who was in front at the time and he rolled off the track which allowed a big gap for me to go through so I've I've gone through on Jezebel and was really starting to make good ground and, and finish the race off strongly and lo and behold he's went exit stage left and 
put me and Eddie Wilkinson out of the race. He was on Champagne. Um, so I think at the end of the day, I've run fifth and Champagne's run sixth or something in the Caulfield Cup. So we were very, I was very, very disappointed. Obviously, I felt that, I, I argue I still probably would have won the race. Um, the trainer and the owners protested um, unsuccessfully because the margin was too big. But um, it, was, it was certainly worth a shot at the stubs, particularly in a race like the Caulfield Cup. And as Brian Jenkins said, you know, like Ray Cochran's too good a rider, he would have known what he was doing, you know. So as it turns out, it was probably a blessing because although we were beaten and disappointed, we never got re-handicapped for the Melbourne Cup. So, um, you know, as it turns out, if I'd have been re-handicapped, who would have known whether the result was the same? But we get to Melbourne Cup day and I was really confident that the mayor could win, you know. Like she was just peaking, her work had improved, her racing manners had improved right from the first day I rode her. And she was just starting to blossom into a really strong mare. I can remember staying at the old Melbourne the night before on the Monday night and um, Sunday, Monday nights. The first time I'd ever experienced Melbourne Cup in Melbourne the way that it was, but they were having barbecues, you know, champagne and breakfast barbecues out in the, in the car park and everything. And it was really just something that I'd never seen or experienced before. And it was terrific the way they'd done it. So away we go on Melbourne Cup day and uh, we get called into the stewards room as they do for pre-race you know, don't go cause interference and all the rest of it and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, by the time I got back in, one of the one of the boys, I forget who it was in the room, said, oh, Muncie, have you seen your mare? I said, no. They said, off the map, it's been backed into favouritism in the Melbourne Cup. And it had come into like five or six to one favouritism, you know. I said, wow, geez, that's interesting. And I thought nothing more of it. And that's as, that was as much as it had sort of, I didn't even think any more of it. So we go out and we do all the, pre-race um, dignitary stuff that we do, you know, stand before the crowd. And when I got on Jezebel and Canada, the gates, it was one of those moments that I'll never forget because it was just like, it was so surreal. I was on Flemington, on the racetrack at Flemington, 100,000 people, you know, 90, 100,000 people in the, and I couldn't hear one. I couldn't hear one person. I was just on the horse, cantering down to the barriers, never even didn't hear a thing it was just one of those moments where people you go through and it was it was so surreal I just can't and and I just loved it and we got behind the barriers and she was beautiful and calm and um everything just went to plan you know the race was just run the way that I wanted it to be run she began like a bomb and and um and uh, traveled beautifully through the race Really part. Three crowns that jump well with a stable mate, peak of perfection. They're both going forward. Jezebel across from a wide alley. Gold Guru forward in the early part. Second coming up there, faithful son Darazari. Not far behind those runners with perpetual check. And She'd had such a, a cruisy run throughout the whole race, and a few of the European horses started to make their, their runs at about the 1,000 metre mark. They got on their bikes and got going to make it a good solid gallop. And it, it... 800 to go. And Persian punch wide up, moved up to hit the lead. Gold Guru trying to go with him. Aerosmith has scrubbed up. Three crowns on the rails from second coming under pressure. Jezebel behind them and Faithful's Worked work well for my man because she just cruised into the race under her own steam. And I was actually a little bit worried. I'd, I'd turned for home and I'd gone, you know, I was going to be left in front too soon. But as it turned out, I, I just really. I couldn't hold her down any slower. She was just absolutely bolting on the corner. Around the turn in the cup, and it's Jezebel going up to Persian Punch. Faithful Sun wider than Torfin's Melody. Champagne runs into it. Aerosmith look beaten in Darazari. We sort of got to about the furlong pole, I think, and, and hit the front. And um, next minute I sense a horse coming. 
to my outside, and as it turns out, it was Bossy on, on Champagne. Here's the other mare, Champagne. Champagne looming up to Jezebel. Then Torfin's Melody Perpetual Check battling on Faithful Sun. It's the mares, Champagne, Jezebel. Clear from Yorkshire, Torfin's Melody. Champagne in front of Jezebel. Persian Function, Torfin's Melody. Champagne and Jezebel. At the time, like, I was just happy to be running second. Like, in a Melbourne Cup, it was only my second ride in a Melbourne Cup. And I was, it, I wasn't even disappointed that Bossy had gone by me, you know. I was actually still happy that I was holding on for second. But then I could feel the last 50 metres, last 100 metres, I could start to feel my mare lift and surge and Champagne died on her run. And it was just one of those moments in time that you, you can't put words to describe it. And lo and behold, we've, she fought back to win the race. You know? Champagne and Jezebel. Jezebel's fighting back on the rails and won the cup. Jezebel fought back to win and beat Champagne at Quinella for the mares. Then Yorkshire and Persian punch close up from Torpenfellery. I was pretty confident that I'd won the race, although I wasn't 100% certain because the margin was, was small, but I was pretty confident. As in, and then as, as I was pulling up, when Johnny Let's come come cannon up alongside me on banjo, well, I, knew, I knew I'd won then. Chris, what about this? You've won the Golden Slipper and uh, all the big races in Sydney. How does it compare? Oh, mate, <laughs> this is unbelievable. And Chris, I, at the last 200 metres, fighting it out with Champagne. Mate, Glenn's a great mate of mine and he's a great rider, great competitor. And I thought when he shot clear, I thought, well, he's got me beat. To be honest, I was glad it was him and not a European, but anyway. <laughs> oh, it was just a huge sense of relief. You know, I think, I think when winning these big races, like it's a, it's, it's a thrill. Obviously, it's a huge thrill, but it's a, it's a sense of relief for me anyway. You know, because um, an achievement, sense of relief, and achievement you're able to do, to be able to win a race like that, um, and um, yeah, it was just it was something I'd always dreamed of doing, and to be able to do it was, was fantastic. I joke about it now with Bossy, and I, I gig him and I say, well, I taught you how to win a Melbourne Cup. I said, because he went and won three on Maccabi Diva after that. The whole Melbourne Cup day, um, from the minute we, you sort of walk out there, it's, it's, it's hair standing up on the back of your necks type stuff, you know, and then um, you, you come back down the, the roses and um, everybody's sort of yelling and cheering. And I think I was more um, happy for the horse, you know, happy for myself and family, obviously, but it was a great thrill for the horse to be able to win it the way she did because, I mean, it was a race that they they purposely set her for. And, um, yeah, I think I was, I was really just thrilled for her and the whole day, it was just a fantastic day. It's a great adrenaline rush and I miss, even now, like I miss that adrenaline much. I, it's funny, you know, race, I miss the camaraderie of the jockey's room, if anything, you know, the, it was, we have a lot of good mates and, you know, we're all, all mates in the room. We've got a job to do on the track, but, you know, when you're riding in a race, and as I said to you before, I think, you know, when you've got good riders around you, you, you you're pretty safe. You know, you, you can do things and be comfortable in the fact that, you, you know, the blokes around you are going to know what's going on and can read the play pretty well. It's, but riding good horses, it's one of the best feelings you'll ever, you'll ever feel. Like if you're, the minute you're on a strong 500, you know, 500 odd kilo animal and they're at top speed and they're fluent in their action, they're, they're stretching out and they're galloping, Oh, it's a, you, you, you could never describe it. Is the Melbourne Cup one of my proudest moments as a jockey? Yeah, I'd say it would be, yes, definitely. I mean, well, it's the race everyone wants to win. 
I mean, you've got all these other big pop-up races coming on. They're worth a lot of money. But I think the history of the Melbourne Cup will never be taken away. It's It's been there forever and a day. And um, it's it's Australian racing, really, isn't it, the Melbourne Cup? It's um, And to be part of history and to be part of that honour roll is a great thrill. Next week in the road to the Cup from Ladbrokes, I'll be interviewing my good mate Jimmy Cassidy. Oh, look, one that always comes to mind was obviously Kiwi, 83 Melbourne Cup. I won my hometown cup on him, the Wellington Cup in 82. Look, he, he was a horse that I, I, I won a maiden on him. I ended up winning a Melbourne Cup on him and owned by two beautiful people, Snow and Ann Lupton. And look, it's a question I get asked a lot about favourite horses but and champions, obviously. But I think Kiwi always comes back to mind. He, he gave me that opportunity, obviously, to ride in the Melbourne Cup, win one. Mm. And then that gave me the opportunity to come to Australia and 